Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is Stuart from Hear Me See Me Podcast. Today, I've got, I've got a lovely fella, and <laughs> he really does tickle my funny bone. He's a, a very interesting person. He's an ex-offender, ex-prisoner, um, and he turned to the world of art, and he's, he's an amazing artist now. Some of his pieces, they blow my mind. But today, I'm talking to Gary Mansfield. How are you doing, sir? Stuart, you are all right, mate? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you coping in this pandemic? Oh man, I've done seven years in prison, so a bit of lockdown. <laughs> a bit of lockdown. I'm off with an immediate stupid question. <laughs> yeah, I've got a bit of. I've got a nice big cell with a garden now, so yeah, crack on. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, we like so uh, a lot of people know you, but for anyone who doesn't, for my free listeners that are not <laughs> not familiar with you. Just tell us all about, just go right into it and tell us your story because it's amazing. Um, yeah, well, I was, I, I grew up in Dagnum, which is Essex East London border, uh, one parent family, council estate. Um, I liked getting in trouble more than, um, I found getting in trouble being a lot of fun, um, more than playing runouts, you know. So unfortunately, I went down that line. Um, I, it escalated, escalated. I went to prison when I was 18 for getting in a fight with, with three guys. Um, and I always traded in fake, uh, fake clothing and I worked my way up into that area. And when I was 26, um, I started getting this clothing off of a new guy. Um, he had asked me to run. I was going up to Liverpool to visit some friends and he asked me if I dropped some of these um, big packs of fake labels off that get stitched into the T-shirts. And bearing in mind, this was the mid-90s, so it wasn't embroidered on then. They were actual labels, you know, that get sewn onto the T-shirts. So he asked if I'd take these into his guys in Birmingham on on my way. Um, He was paying me a few hundred quid. It was just a little detour um, up the M1. Um... I said yes, as I as I picked them up and I was taking them out of the car park, all of a sudden all hell broke loose and there was police with guns and van loads of police, they were screaming and shouting, my car window went through and um, yeah, they arrested me and I thought it was a bit over the top for this fake clothing and it turned out to be a uh, £4.2 million worth of Class A drugs that they'd put in the bags rather than 
these um, clothing labels. Shit. Um, yeah, I went, I, I, I was on remand for a year, um, went to court, and normally when I went to court, you know, I've been to court dozens of times being a, a sort of active criminal since I left school, more or less. Yeah. Um, I sort of never sat and told the truth, you know, when I went to court, but this time when it was heavy and I knew I was looking at like an 18-year sentence, um, although I didn't grass anyone up, I did just tell him the truth. You know, I said I, I was, I deal in fake clothing. That's what I thought I was picking up. It turned up these guys, you know, put all this drugs in me, in me bags. Um, and it, I fell on my ass. I got found guilty. Um, I tried, you know, I couldn't even say it was fucking personal, you know, 50 kilos of class A. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there was nothing I could do. You know, I got found guilty. Um, my world sort of fell apart, but in the back of my mind, I always knew that, you know, you're playing with fire, you're going to get your fingers burnt one day, you know, and I did. And that was it, really. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the thing is, it's, it's all right knowing and accepting that something might be coming your way, but when it's really not what... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I played it down a bit there, Stu, to be honest. I say, oh, you know, it wasn't as if I got arrested and went, oh, well, it's my own fault. No. For a year, it was, or for a year after conviction, because I was on remand for a year in Chelmsford. Right. Um, and, you know, I weren't sure whether I was going to get a guilty or not. I went to court, got a guilty. The guys who I'd picked it up from, um, they got nicked as well, but they got found not guilty. Oh. And um, after that, for a year... Um, I got I got sentenced to 14 years in prison, and then I went to a high security prison on the Isle of Sheppey called Swellside. Oh, yeah. And um, for a year, maybe a little longer, every night I was just thinking of when I get out, yeah. how I'm going to kidnap him, what I'm going to do to him, yeah. and where I'm going to dispose of him. Yeah. And honestly, that's how I was fit. And, and I was never, I was always a little bit violent. I was always a debt collector, doorman, yeah. using me size. You know, I was a pretty much a Dagnum thug, you know, and, yeah. and using me size. Um, and that's what I was thinking every night. And I'd go to, go to sleep thinking that and I'd wake up. Yeah. With, and I, I had this little um, scenario of what I was going to do to these people because they had just, ripped my family apart I'd, and the thing is Stu I've been I've been around the rave scene since it started yeah. I never once had a pill because the drugs were never me I'd oh. never had a line of coke oh. um, I tried a joint when I was at school it, it, it made me feel sick and I never went back to it yeah. I used to have a have a drink you know like I used to drink beer and you know the, the occasional brandy or something but even that weren't to excess because I was always driving and I never drank and drove anywhere yeah. Um, so I was never really into booze or alcohol, um, sorry, booze or drugs. Yeah. And then, and I'd always stayed away from drugs as well because it was so easy living in fucking Essex was, oh. was prime for, for yeah. pills. And the amount of time someone said, like, even would I, um, just follow these guys, like mind them while they're going to do their drugs deal. And yeah. I'd always go, that ain't my thing. You know, ain't my, ain't my cup of tea. Um, and then these people have fucking forced it upon me. And the thing is, for, for forever, for my life, the rest of my life, on paper, I'm a fucking drugs importer, you know? Yeah. 
and, and I fucking hate that. And I know it's, it's my own doing, so I don't complain about it at all. Yeah, there's a great area on that, though, isn't there? Yeah. You know. But, yeah, I was, I was used. And, and, like, you know, if you speak to, to burglary victims or robbery victims or people who have been, you know, um, been defrauded, um, that little bit of victim thing um, hurts, you know, you, to be made a fool of. That's the biggest thing. Well, I probably bought one of your shirts, my, one of my brown <laughs> first wash, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, you ain't getting your money back. <laughs> yeah, the time's passed for that. <laughs> I used to say, come and take it out of that. Take it out of my nose if you want it. <laughs> speak, yeah, speak to my complaints. <laughs> yeah, here it is. Fucking <laughs> okay, hell. So, yeah, I mean, but that thing that eats you up, doesn't it? That, that hate. That hate yeah. and that, bit, that all night long, you don't rest here. No, and it was and it was it was occupying my mind so much, Stu, yeah. that when I've and it took a friend of mine when I told him because I know it sounds crazy and it's 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 the story of a psycho, you know. When I told him my story, what I was going to do, where I was going to take him, what what date I was going to take him, that I had it all all planned out. Yeah, every night, and I told him like my mate Kenny, who's he's no longer with us. He was like, "Fucking hell, girl! You've got to slow down. You know, you you're gonna you can't do the rest of your sentence like this. No. You know, because I, I I sat down and told him, you know, how it was affecting me, and he was going, "You got you got to give that up, mate." Mm. And then luckily, I found art that yeah. um, it, it's our fact. Art to me was like how some people um, take on religion. And I even refer to myself sometimes as a born again artist because yeah. it, it came into my life, it changed me 180 degrees, and you know it, it has changed me ever since. Yeah. Um, just like how I've seen people get taken by whatever god you know they've found, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because mine was mine. I've, I've had a similar thing myself. My life completely twitched around, but mine was I was doing too much of everything, and then. I ended up with uh, going into recovery, you know. Yeah. So in, in April, I'm 15 years. Um, nice. But that's what that was. So yeah, I found my higher power uh, yeah. by helping other people. And the first thing you do, you, you if you get helped in anything like that, you, you go out and find other people to help with. Yeah, you feel help, like you're indebted. Oh, yeah, you, you're you know? indebted, you've got to pay it back. Uh, and the one thing I knew what I was talking about, I, yeah. knew, I knew about taking drugs, I knew about drinking, and I knew yeah. what happened. So... I was uh, an authority <laughs> to be able to help someone. I knew what I was talking yeah. about. For, uh, and it was good because any time, you know, we're, we're the best people to help in them positions. Yeah, got at the time. definitely. You know, and then mine just turned again. Another turn was when I'd done my first haircut on, on homeless people six years ago. And then I really found it, you know, as you found yeah, out. It's cool, that, isn't it? It's you know, such a good experience, isn't it? I'm a born again, a born again hairdresser. Yeah. I was, I'd done it for years, I'm a bit fed up with it. And then just that pure thing of, of helping someone and making someone feel good and then thanking you for, you know, for speaking yeah. to them. Yeah. Know? And that, yeah. So tell me more about the art. How did it first take, how did you first come across it? Well, I was, I wanted to get into computers. Um, because I still had like five and a half years left <laughs> of my sentence, and I thought I'd, I already didn't, I already knew I didn't want to be around crime anymore, yeah. But then it was crime was all I was 
oh, I weren't good at it. Fucking hell, I was doing a fucking year sentence. I couldn't be that good. Crime is all, I mean, I used to love, everyone loves a fucking crime film, you know. Yeah. And everyone likes to see the bad bad guy get away or, you know, and I loved everything about it. I loved the lifestyle. And, you know, as we was talking before we started recording here, it was it was good fun. It was a great laugh. It was it was if there was winning, there was money, you know, everything a young bloke wants, you know. Yeah. But then I got to the point where that isn't what I wanted anymore. You know, I didn't want to live that life. I didn't want to sit in jail and look, be looking over my shoulder, you know. So computers was where I wanted to go. Um and there was a massive big waiting list for the computer class. But if you was already in in the education department doing another course, you could slip in there at the top of the waiting list, you know? So I had a look it around. changed, does it? Straight exactly. away. Yeah, I'll, go, I'll do that. I'll slip in there. <laughs> and the only two courses that had vacancies, funnily enough, was hairdressing. There was a hairdressing really? course there. Yeah. And there was an art class. Right. And I, the, my way of thinking was when I was at school, Art was a proper doddle. You know, you just sat there and chatted with your mates for, for, the, for the lesson, you know. So that's why I went into the art class. And the tutor was just fucking amazing. He was really good. He was good. He was funny. He was passionate. He really fought much, so much of the cons, you know. Yeah. And um, I've I, I done this drawing once. He showed me what I'd done wrong. I adjusted it and it looked like what I was meant to be drawing because I, I wasn't a good drawer. I'd never drawn no. before. No. But part of this course that he was running, you had to copy something. And yeah. mine resembled, it was only a ball in a bowl, a wooden ball in a wooden bowl, and it resembled it. Yeah. But it was quite bad. But then he showed me where I'd gone wrong and, and what to do to improve it. And when i done these little things he told me, I thought, oh, that looks good. Then I went on to a portrait, and my portrait, it was Stephen Burkoff, the actor. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was only meant to be a two-hour exercise, and I spent the whole weekend on it. And it, it was a good portrait of Stephen Burkoff. Oh. And I'd never drawn, I'd never had this skill, but just using these little methods that he'd shown me over the course of a week, I mean, I did make it, you know, condensing into a couple of seconds there. Yeah. He told me these little rules of how to draw, and I just got them. And then all of a sudden I thought, well, there's something I'm good at here. That computer course can jog on, you know. Yeah. So I wanted to do this art course. And then it just, it was just, a, it it was everything I was looking for. It was pleasant. It was, it, it was nice to look at. It was just everything about it was nice and fulfilling. You know what I mean? There was nothing aggravating or loud or, or it just, everything was nice about it. And, um, I found I was quite good at it, or, or at the start I was, you know. Yeah. Um, and then I'd read about artists, and then he brought in um, a catalogue, which is like a brochure for an art exhibition, which was for an exhibition called Sensations, which was um, like a big, the big painting of Myra Hindley was in it, um, Damien Hirst, Sharks, yeah. and it was that sort of shock art at yeah. the time. And I was like, that isn't art, anyone can do that, you know. And um, then I got told, well, take the catalogue back with you, like this book back, have a read of it, and then slag it off, you know, at least have a you know a bit of knowledge about the thing I'm, um, you know, dissing, you know. So I did, went back, had a read of it, still didn't think much of it. But in there was a postcard 
being used as a bookmark. And it was just a colander, a household metal colander, upside down with nuts and bolts in the holes. Oh, yeah. And I'd already, I'd already seen it. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is How's this? Oh, how's this in a gallery? This is a trip to B&Q and a £10 note, you know. And um, it's, on, on the back of it, what I saw that night, it said that it was by an artist called Mona Hatoon. And she was um, Palestinian living in uh, Lebanon. She'd come to the UK to study. Yeah. Because of the uprising at home, change of whatever was going on back there, she wasn't able to go home because an educated woman wasn't sort of welcome there, no, you know. No. And this colander represented a dome over her, her home and all the nuts and bolts were blocking the entrances and exits. Oh, and then all of a sudden I'm like, fucking hell, she's, she's told me all of that with a trip to B&Q and a £10 note, you know, bag of nuts and bolts. Yeah. And it just sort of unlocked, it's called conceptual art because it's more about the idea than the artwork, which I didn't appreciate or understand at the time. And then all of a sudden it sort of unlocked that way of looking at this sort of art. And then I looked at the Myra Hindley and read up about it. And then I looked at the Damien Hurst shark or sheep that he'd cut in half. And I'd always joke there was a bloke on D-winging for similar, you know. Um, but I looked, at, <laughs> I looked at that and then read about it. And it, all of a sudden it was all sort of clicking. Or, or All it was, literally, I was taking time to find out about it, which is a big thing in my art and my outlook now. Because if you give someone, most people, five minutes of your time to find out about them, yeah. your attitude could well change about that person, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, going back on to, to, to the areas you work, and I'll, I've, I've run a couple of, like, art homeless groups. Yeah. Give anyone five seconds. You know, you still might come away thinking, oh, he's, he's a bit of a pain or... Yeah. You know, yeah. But then you go, most of the time, you're finding out about that person, you know, and you realise how they're in that situation, why they're in that situation. That's the same as what I found with this artwork. Yeah. I gave it a bit of a bit of my time, and rather than just being um, sort of negative about everything I saw, I just brought all that negativity down, yeah. give it a, an honest look and an honest read, and then discovered it changed my life just by giving these artworks a few minutes of my life, yeah. a few minutes of my time, sorry. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this discovered something that absolutely changed my life. So I, I knew nothing about this artwork. In the back of the catalogue was the galleries that represented these artists. So I wrote 32 letters to these artists saying, I've just discovered this art, know nothing about it. Could you send me some information on you and your artwork, your career? And I figured by sending that many letters, I'm bound to get one. You know, I'm fishing with a net. Yeah, you know that was yeah. that was my attitude in the in the clubbing days. You know, when we yeah. chat ups were <laughs> ask everyone, I might get a date with one. You know, <laughs> rather than concentrate on the one that was well out my league. <laughs> Quantity, not quality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's the way I live now. Look at the size of me. Um, yeah, so I thought well, someone's going to reply to yeah. me. You know, and out of thirty-two artists, twenty-eight replied. Bloody hell. 28. Uh, and bearing in mind, Stu, they've got a letter from a person they don't know who's in prison. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, most people would go, fuck that. 
You know, who's this crank trying to, what's yeah. he after? What's he, yeah. you know, <laughs> amazing. And then from, I, as I say, I had five and a half years left. Um, and then I'd, I'd write to more artists. The artists would write to me and like send me stuff about them and say, oh, you should write to this artist or that artist. And then in the end, I mean, or not in the end, but a short while after, I'll be getting letters from artists that I've not even written to. Yeah. And they'll be saying, oh, I was in the, in the pub talking to so-and-so artist. They mentioned you. Um, here's some stuff on my artwork. Brilliant. And, and, and these people, and it was just at the time, Stu, when like, I, I've realised now that my life in crime was a fucking addiction. And it's just like a drug yeah. addiction or an alcohol yeah. addiction. Yeah. Because I lived it. I thought it. Everything, all my makeup was crime, you know, and, yeah. and how I can cut corners and do yeah. this and not get caught doing that. And it was just all encompassing. Everyone I knew was a criminal. You yeah. know, if, if I got, if I was to get released, um, I couldn't go into any other world other than back into the world of crime because that's all I knew. All my friends were criminals. Although my family weren't criminals, as we mentioned before, um, they were still au fait with it. You know, they would still buy a cheap telly if one come about or, yeah. you know, cheap, bit of meat you know that sort of so everyone sort of um turned a blind eye to crime you know yeah. if they wasn't directly involved with it yeah and it, it's just like you know drugs and alcohol yeah um and it just so happens that this new bunch of people this new family come along at the right time when i wanted a change and yeah. then it just so it just shifted and now, 20-odd years later, all of my friends are artists. You know, all of my family are okay with art now. You know, none yeah, of them yeah. know anything about yeah. art now, but now they might turn a blind eye to it. But they're all, you know, they're all accepting. <laughs> 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 art world. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but, um, oh, bless him. He's got a new He's leaving, mate. Yeah, yeah. shut up. He's, he's an artist. And everyone goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking loony, but um, yeah. So that's that's how I am now. I'm I'm now an artist, thanks to these people who just helped and guided me through. And like I was released in October two thousand and one, right? And I got I left jail at nine fifteen in the morning, and at eleven thirty, I was having my first lecture at the University of East London on a fine art oh, um, degree course. And you've been out twenty years now. 20 years this October, yeah, October, 2001. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. And you went straight into a, cult, a class? Well, I was already at uni. I started uni two and a half weeks before I got out. And and the first two weeks was just getting to know the place and the other students. And yeah. I nearly said prisoners then, the other students. Um, and then, yeah, as I say, it just turns out the first lecture was at 11.30 on the day I got out, where most people would go home to their other yeah. half or down the boozer. I was going to, like, what would you do on the first day out? You know, yeah. like, it would be straight out on it, wouldn't it? Yeah, and uh, yeah, mine was sitting in the class, and uh, Stu, I was the happiest person in that fucking university. I had a smile like a Cheshire cat, and I I, I wish I would have thought about it before. But there's there's a um, a 
photograph I use in my art. It's a prison photograph of me holding my name and number. And I'm, I'm, it looks like I'm trying to be intimidating. I'm not. It's just I had the fucking hump because I was supposed yeah. to have been released at nine. And the screw had to take a Polaroid photo of me. And he kept messing up with a Polaroid. And now it had gone to like 9.15 and I was still in jail. That's my time, you know. My, yeah. I should have been free. And he, he took this photo that he messed up on and he threw the photo in the bin. And this was when I was using Polaroids. And he went out to get another pack of Polaroids and I nicked this photo out of the bin of me, you know. Yeah. And that one was of me like being a, looked, looked a bit angry. And yeah. then later on that day, I had to have another photo ta- photograph taken from my past at university. And when the photograph turned up, I saw the photograph of me at uni and at me in jail. Bearing in mind, they was probably five, six hours apart. I looked fucking 10 years younger in the, uh, in the university photograph. And I just looked like the happiest person in the world compared to this miserable old getting this other photo. Yeah. You know, it yeah. was amazing. It's a powerful, that's a, that, that, that image is a powerful thing. Yeah, definitely. I, I've seen pictures. I've got, a, I've got a picture of me. Um, I think I was in Rhodes or something with a pal, um, completely on it, you know, Young, young kid, right? Um, yeah. And it makes me uncomfortable. Like, it makes me... I don't regret anything. I don't... You can't... You can look back at the past, but you don't stare, you know? Yeah. So there's no point in... But there's something about that. that, that I think that's what you find is, is them images are so powerful because it's almost like I've lived... I've said before, I've lived about three different lifetimes. Yeah. And they've been so completely different, each one, you know... Well, being an artist, I had trouble separating them two lives because I've had the criminal life up until I was... I even look at it from the moment um, I agreed to myself because I set myself a goal while I was away. When I was doing this art course, I said to myself, if I, I'm going to give you 100%, put fucking everything into it, and I'm quite obsessive when I yeah. do things, you know... I thought I'd give myself do a hundred percent, and if I don't get the top mark, like the distinction in that in this GMVQ, it was at the time. If I don't get a distinction in that, then I'm not good enough because I've given it everything. Yeah, and that's what I'd done. And then because I'd set, I'd, I'd had that in my mind. You know, was, that was how I was living. Was was just passionate about this art thing. When the time came to get the results. Um, like normally you get it in an envelope, but the guy actually come down to, to give me these, um, c- the certificate that I'd passed. And he showed me and he said distinction. And it was from, and, and like we had a little chat, uh, uh, you know, he gave me a bit of direction. This, this guy from the college, you know, come actually come down. And after, after that, when I walked back, I was, it was then that I was changed. Right. That I, I said, right, that's it. As soon as I saw that I had a distinction, that's it. I'm no longer a criminal. That right. I'm now going to be an artist or at least involved with the arts if I become a, a sign writer or a tattooist or, or whatever it was going to be. Yeah. It was no longer crime because I'd set myself a goal and bang. I walked back to the, to the, um, to the wing and like, it's as if my back was straighter and, you know, my shoulders were back a bit. You know, I, was, I'd, I'd changed automatically that day. Yeah. No longer, even the, the prison politics, I was no longer getting involved with. No. Rows and stuff were going on. I was going, fuck all to do with me. 
I'm not a con anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I'm now an artist who just happens to be biding his time in this fucking hole until I, you know, get out, you know? That's so profound, isn't it? That, that moment of clarity. Exactly that. And it's that, you said earlier on, I'm I'm now an artist. Yeah. And it's that moment you truly believe it. And it's that, that moment of change when you, it's, you're not changed until you truly have that moment of clarity. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's how I was. And it, but then it, it it just changed it, everything about me because before being a criminal, you are as much as everyone goes, oh yeah, we're all together and you know, oh, one of your own and all that bollocks. You, it's all about you. You you are just trying to keep yourself out of jail. You're trying to earn yourself money. It's all selfish, 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 as any fucking addiction is. You know, um, no matter how many of you are doing it, it's just a load of single people or insular people yeah. doing it for themselves in a group. You know, yeah. but then all of a sudden, bang! I wasn't. I was. It was me looking at. And then I was looking for everyone, and then my attitude changed towards everything. Yeah. And like the the guys who were in jail who were. The drug addicts, uh, oh, they weren't drug, drug, drug addicts to me at the time. They were junkies to me at the time. You know, it's a, a different f- yeah. phrase I was using. That They was always a pain in the ass. Now, yeah. I'm like, well, let's try and have a little think of, about them. Let's yeah. look at other people. Because I looked in the mirror, and this is, a, you know, it all sounds a bit fucking arty-farty. But I used to look in the mirror, and I didn't see the fucking person. I didn't like the person that I was looking at, you know. Yeah. And I wanted to change him. Yeah. And I thought, well, the only way I can change him is not to keep worrying about him. Let's have a look at other people and try and be a bit more, try and understand other people. Because yeah. I'd had a lifetime of being selfish, you know. Then I start talking to to the the, the addicts on the wing. And then the people that uh, depression is fucking rife in there, you know, and paranoia and that sort of thing. Yeah. And and everyone in jail has had a little sprinkle of of depression, you know. And I had it myself a few times. It, it you know went into quite a dark place that luckily didn't get too dark, you know. Yeah. Um, and that was the guys I was sort of getting hold of in there. And then because I've got this bit of inner happiness, mm. you know, I was no longer depression weren't going to hit me as much as it used to because I was a different person now. Yeah. You know, now I was genuinely happy inside. It was just like when you see a born again Christian, you know, you can slap them off all you like and they've got that smile on their face. Yeah. Because it's pinging off, you know, you're not affecting them. And that's, that's a little bit how I, how I felt, you know, and it, it, and I knew that it hadn't just changed my mind. It changed all of me. Mm. And that's exactly how, how I think, you know. And that, that uh, it, the, the powers of attraction and the laws of attraction, they're very true. You, you, you'll send out a different message. You know, like you say, there'll be, you'll, you'll be uh, attracting different people. Yeah. And they'll be curious. People are curious, aren't they? When they see that shift, they either, t- one or two things, are either very curious or very, very um, aggressive. Well, what I did have, Stu, I had people thinking, like, bearing in mind, I am a different person now to the one I was then. Yeah. You know, I, I was still this loud and brash and, you know, sort yeah. of fucking about and that. But before, violence didn't bother me in the slightest. You know, I had people who would, like, come in and just think it's all right to come nick my tobacco. Because now, all of a sudden, they think, oh, well, he ain't, he ain't loud and threatening to cut me off. Or, or, or that's yeah. sorry to bring that sort of stuff in. Right, yeah. but, you know he weren't threatening to do this or do that or even actually doing it you know yeah. he wasn't being 
outwardly a- aggressive. Yeah. Um, he th- was that thinking I was weak. Then they've come in, as, uh, not so much Nick Tobacco, but jump in front of me at the phone queue to think they can jump in. And yeah. they'd find out that I was still just as violent. It was just, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I hadn't quite quelled that yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and, and what I'm saying is, uh, here, mate, I'm born again. I'm not born yesterday. Exactly. That's a, I've not heard that. That's a, that's a damn good one. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and that's the thing, isn't it? Uh, 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 just, yeah. And I'm uh, not a doormat. Yeah. Like, and there was, yeah. there was one guy I, I, I had a row with in Swaleside called, uh, his name was Ninja. Uh, and I had a couple of rows with him. One I got the better, one was broken up. But, he, he could, he, he won't want to be messed with, but it just so happens I've got the better of him. I'm not trying to say I was tougher than him, yeah, but yeah. I got the better of him on that day. Fast forward a few years when I was in an open jail, he had just turned, there was two wings in this open jail. One, one wing was for the guys that were going out to work, which I was on. The other wing was for those who had just got there. And this ninja turned out to be one of them. And I saw him and we've sort of, we, we didn't like each other, but we didn't dislike each other you know we weren't mates but i see him walking about and i've given him a like a thumbs up and he's smiled at me well just before i was released we used to have to uh, we had big washing machines in then you have to put your bags of washing in a row you know whoever was next and if you walk past and someone was someone's was just finishing you'd take their washing out put it in the basket put it on top and then put the next person's in even if you was three or four back because you're yeah. helping the queue go down, if you like. So I've gone in there one time and there's like three or four in front of me and this guy just walked in with his and just, it had finished, so he got one lot out and just plonked his, went to plonk his in. And I went, oh, mate, I said, there's like eight or nine people in the row here. He went, well, none of them are here. I said, well, it don't work like that, you know. He went, I'm washing, I'm, I'm doing my washing. I went, you ain't, mate. And it got to that, you yeah. know, two balls sort <laughs> of standoff. Yeah. <laughs> I said, mate, you ain't going to do it. And he's going, who's going to stop me? You. And I went, just give me a, just a, a, a little slap just to start the ball rolling, as it were. And he backed down. And I've, I've got his washing out, put it back, and he ran off. Then he come back with his mate a little while later. And, um, I'm putting the next persons in and all of a sudden the doors bashed open. These two oh, guys have come running and we've had a rough and tumble. I've done the pair of them. I'm, 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 done for, I'm not trying oh, to show off anything. Here. <laughs> I've done the pair of them. It was, it was a couple of black guys. They've gone over to Ninja. Now Ninja had a big reputation yeah. and um, Ninja come over and saw me and I thought, oh, I'm going to fucking kick off with him again. But he come into my cell. We sat down. We had, it was a, he come with a white flag, you know, and uh, he's laughing and joking. And um, it turns out that the guys went over there and said, oh, we've just had a, a row with a white bloke over on B-Wing. Uh, he said he started, did, oh, when he, he said, who was it? He went, it's just this fat bloke who laughs a lot. <laughs> and uh, he went, was his name Mansfield? And he said, yeah, he went, oh, no. I know him from Swellside. He's a, he's a damn good bloke and he's like Ninja come over to me. But that was a good thing because that could have caused something else. Yeah. It was only that bit of mutual respect yeah, that yeah, he didn't, yeah. you know, and he's just told his mates that they've, that I'm not just a fat bloke who laughs a lot, you know, no. and there's, there's a story behind <laughs> me as well, you know. But I thought that was good how it was that bit of mutual respect when it could have so easily gone the other way for the pair of us, you know. Yeah. 
it's often that, isn't it? When you have a, you, you have a tear up with someone, and that, there is that little bit of a respect after, isn't there? Even Definitely. That, yeah, there's always that sort of, um, yeah, bit of a but Luckily, I've not had one of those for years now, you know. <laughs> no. Oh, I've lost about two seconds now. Yeah. I'll, I'll, in my head, I can go 12 rounds, but physically, <laughs> yeah. I have trouble getting I'm, in the ring nowadays. I've been on the pads with my, my son-in-law, and... Um, and he's a unit, he is. And, uh, and <laughs> I really thought I was going to do 10 rounds, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was about a round and a half. And I was you had the rocking music in the back of your head <laughs> as you was getting out of bed that morning, <laughs> trying to do your shoes up. I've been oh, there. Mate, I ain't got it anymore. <laughs> I've got a new I'm, I'm not sure I had it in the first place, to be <laughs> no, honest. To be honest, yeah, I've got to agree with that, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I, I'm not as, yeah, I weren't anywhere near where I thought I was. <laughs> but, I go, but I go back into jails now. Oh, I haven't done it for a while, but yeah. off my own back, I started going in to do art courses because I figured, like, art changed my life. It yeah. pulled me out of that world into a new one. It's made me meet people who wouldn't have given me the time of day before because I weren't someone they'd want to speak to. And now I am, you know, and without being sort of big-headed. I'm, I'm a relatively nice guy. Um and, and I, I go into jails to try and turn people away from it. And, and it's worked a few times where I've had emails off people to say that after I've given that talk, it made them think a couple of years down the line, they've gone to college after getting out of jail. You know, they haven't done an arty thing, but it was listening to my story to make them believe that they can do something other than knocking about with their mates and selling gear on the corner, you know? Well, the, 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 the thing is, it's the authenticity that's crucial for someone for you, like you, to go and do that type of work. Yeah. Because it's because uh, you, you are the genuine article, and and you'll you'll instantly c- connect, you know. And with with me, with my addictions, and you know, I'll I'll, I'll be in a homeless centre and I'll just click with someone, you know, like um, if you've got that. That some people may be extremely qualified. Um, but I've not come from that background. No, and then, then, then just naturally, you don't see that bit of connection and you push them away. And they might be the best at their job okay. in the world. Yeah. But if they're not speaking like you speak, or yeah. I mean, you must have met, you must know yourself. I've met some quite upper class people that I've got on with like a fucking house yeah. on fire because yeah. you see them similarities. But when you know that they come from that big background, first of all, you sort of, you do mentally push them away and they yeah. have to work or it's a bit of mutual work between you to find your common ground. And yeah. most of the time we all get on with, with anyone given a bit of time, you know? Yeah. No, that's it. I've, 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 it, the, the, the work I've done is, and, and especially with the podcasting, I've met, even virtually, I've met so it's many beautiful, people. Isn't it? It's wonderful. It like, I've met people I never would have met in my life. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a guy who I know, he's actually been a friend of mine for, for many years, um, and he's been on my podcast, Paul Hannaford. Oh, I've spoke no, to Paul. Paul. I, I don't know him. I've spoke to him. I was about to do talks, and I contacted Paul. Yeah. and Because um, we've been on the same podcast a few times. Yeah, he's been on mine, and he, 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 honestly, he's, 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 good, he's he? another person who's the real deal so when he goes into schools and talks about what he talks about and he can say, and he shows them the pictures of all the maggots in his leg where he used yeah. to shoot up and that, you know, and there's all these kids running for a bucket, you know. Exactly. But, They're a bit gross, you know. Yeah. I showed my kids but, then. You know, fair play to him. He, 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 it's like you, you know, you set yourself that goal 
and he, he said he's I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to a million kids and you know he's up to about half a million now so yeah I'm gonna do it's, it it's brilliant it's that setting that goal is is so crucial isn't it well you find out I mean I, I used a lot of my old I call them skills, but my old way of life, my old way of thinking, and I just turned it, like, I just shifted it a little bit, yeah. using it for, I don't want to sound like Batman, but I'm using it for good, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I am going to say fat man, but that means... <laughs> no, that suits me, I'm with that. Take one. Yeah, I can't get a cake to fit me, that's how big I am. <laughs> but, um, yeah, if I just... Uh, just yeah. Well, I used to sort of try and manipulate a person that I'm speaking to because I was just trying to get something out of it for me. If yeah. I can just change that manipulation, turn it around 180 degrees. Like when I was in there, um, I ended up used to, uh, there was a little thing I'd done that when I was like uh, pissed off with someone or feeling upset over someone and I'd just write a little letter to them and I wouldn't necessarily post it the next day, but I knew that that was getting something out from me, you know. And... Um, I'd tell other people to do that. And then in the end, like in, in there, depression, when people used to get depressed, you would other cons would go around and try and help them and sort of support them. But it got to a certain point when it started becoming a little bit addictive. Uh, not, not addictive, um, uh, contagious, sorry. Right. And you'd start to feel down by being around that person. Then you'd yeah. back off because you know that it's starting to affect you. Yeah. So in the end, that person become like a fucking depressed island, you know, with no one around them. Yeah. And what I'd done, and it was just a little fucking experiment, really, at first. I just see someone who was going through it, and I, I, I've said to them, like, look, can I have a word with you for a minute? And they like, brought me into my cell, and I said, look, I know that you're a... A, a nice bloke to talk to I, I've had a bit of trouble with this bird and like make up this little fucking story for him and saying you know, what, what do you reckon I should do yeah. and then all of a sudden it's I figured because it, it worked on me when you know I'd, I'd come out of my depression to sort of help someone else and then slip yeah. back into mine afterwards possibly but I knew that it done me some favour so I'd ask them their opinion and their help yeah. and then then they knew that I weren't just because in there there's not much much empathy in jail, you know. There's there's not much uh, empathy and, and the fellow man going on in there. Yeah. But when I've let my wall down a little bit, and they do, like, I was this tough bloke. Then all of a sudden, I'm showing them this little bit of vulnerability yeah. and this little bit of trust. And uh, so I'd say to them, you know, what do you reckon I should do? And then they give me their opinion. And a couple of days later, I go, oh, that's that's thanks for that. I really appreciated you your time, you know. Now I said, oh, if ever you've got a problem, give us a shout. Yeah. And then, you know, a day or so later, they'd be floating about near your door and you go, yeah, can I have a word? Yeah. And then they come in and sit on the on the guest seat, which is the toilet, <laughs> and just, yeah, come in. And then all of a sudden, like, we'd push the door to, and then they'd tell me the thing that's eating them up, you know. Yeah. And you know yourself, when, you've, when, when you're sitting there haircutting, and, and this is just a guess, cutting someone's hair, while they're talking to you, that is that old cliche of a, a problem aired is a problem halved, you know. Yeah. The, the biggest thing about most of these problems that people have is that it's bouncing about in their own head. Once they release it into the wide world, most of the time yeah. you realise it, it weren't worth, you know, getting depressed over. And it got them talking. 
you know, and then they'd come back again if they was feeling down. And I've done that to several people and it, yeah. and it worked. Then in the end, you make up this little community of people who are willing to speak to each other. Whereas in there, most people are, oh, what, what's the matter? You're gay, you know, yeah. all that bows and bollocks, you know, all that <laughs> shit, you know. But then it gets people talking and it's, yeah. it's always worked. And I try to go down that line now. I think it's interesting what you're saying because um, it, it, it's, it's, it takes the first person to make the step, doesn't it? And then, you know, they've all got the same fears and insecurities. Yeah. And, 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 and most of the time, like, anger is a manifestation of fear. So the, the screamy, shouty people are, are shitting themselves inside after. Oh, definitely, yeah. You know, well, that's, that's, that's the old thing, isn't it, about take yeah. down the bully, you know? And yeah. Most of the time, if you front the bully, all yeah. of a sudden ev- everyone, that bully's world falls apart and so does everyone in his shadow, you know? I've got a little story for you. My boy, right, he hates me telling this, but he wasn't, <laughs> he's a right, he's a, he's, he's, a, he's a lump now, but he was, he was a tiny little kid like me. I was at school and uh, he came to me one day and he said, um, he said, oh, this kid's like bullying me, like, you know. And I said, uh, look, the same thing my dad said to me, you've got to go straight up to him, you've got to smack him straight on the nose. It doesn't matter if he, if he beats you up, but you yeah. smack someone on the nose, it, it, it makes them think, you know. Uh, and, he, <laughs> he, and then he went away and thinking about it, and he came in, he said, Dad, can I show you him? <laughs> he came in and he, he like, had him on Facebook or something. Now, bearing in mind, he was only about 12. This kid, who showed me, I think he, looked, he had a, bit, a beard as full as yours, you know? Like, he, was like, he was this lump. And I, I, I looked, and I, and I went, oh, son, you're fucked, mate. <laughs> you ended up giving him your dinner money. <laughs> you're fucked. And, I, and, I, and the only thing, and this is probably the terrible parent in him, I went, where's he live? I said, right, I'm going to go round, and, and my wife stopped me. I could think of was I was going to knock on his dad's door and mm. I was going to smack his dad straight in the mouth and go like if you're coming back the only thing I could think but yeah. then the wife was like oh you ain't doing that you'll make it worse and he had a great he was in a great school Cooper's he was at oh nice yeah they 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 dealt with it really well and you know, like the parents was horrified, you know, it was, yeah. and I was horrified. And, you know, the next thing, two weeks later, they're best pals anyway. You yeah, know? yeah. It was all this trouble, kind exactly. of. You know what I mean? But it, it's that thing, isn't it, of, of uh, the scariest, you know, like people. <laughs> but then, that, that, again, that's just that intimidation thing, isn't it? it yeah. I mean, his intimidation even threw you into turmoil because you didn't know what to do either, you know? No, I couldn't see a way out. And then that, from, you know, like I had a, I had a fight. I had a, uh, I was so, my dad was a Scottish. He was a PTI in the army, you know. You know, and he brought me up like a cadet, you know. I mean, yeah. I was like a, a proper strict, you know. It was, and I had a fight with a kid one time, and I come and he beat me up, and I, uh, but I was more scared of telling me dad I'd lost yeah. than I was yeah. of of the fighting. And I come in, and I, so straight away, he said, what's happened to you? And I said, oh, I had a fight. It was two of them. I yeah, said, oh, yeah, yeah. Because I'm trying to make it sound better. To justify it, yeah. Right, get in the car, because I happened to say who it was. Get in the car. And I thought, oh, fucking hell now. What do I do now? They're <laughs> around. Then the geezer, the, the boys, the geezer, it was only kids. The boy was still there. 
He went, here he is. He went, right, he's on his own now. See how he does now. And get another good idea. Right. Yeah. I went, right. He went, yeah, see how brave you are now. He went, go on, son. <laughs> and he beat me up again. Exactly, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? And it was a, you know, like, what is it about? What is this macho bollocks yeah, about? Exactly, exactly. And I mean, that, that little phrase, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Sometimes yeah. it's the harder they punch as well, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> but yeah, oh, that's mate. it. You take that macho bit of bollocks. Yeah. And there's a, there, there is a nice person inside absolutely everyone because we there weren't is. born with all that attitude, were we, you know? No, no. And it is all, it, it's all, and as I said, we had a little chat before and some of the things, I've done some things I'm really ashamed of, you know, like, and, and nine times out of ten, they, I was under the influence, you know, yeah. to make yeah. it right. Um, but that, I found the core of who I am now. Yeah. And, and none of that has ever been what I really am. It's never sat right with me. Um, I can't change the past, but I can learn from it. Um, and, and, and that's the thing. It, it's, it's, it's finding out you've only got one go at this. Yeah. And it's finding out your true, authentic self. Yeah. And then once you get that, you get this, you know, as I stand up in the arm, you get this freedom, you know. Well, what real... helped me, Stu, the way of thinking that I'd done, and this was a bit of an arty thing, but it is, I, I wish I would have done it years and years ago. When like, I've met people now, and I go, all right, mate, how are you? And they go, what, what do you mean? Like, you know, last time I saw you, you gave me a fucking good idea in the, in the mid-90s, you know, and now you want to be me mate. And I was going, but then... I, I just try and say to people, like, I'm not that person. And I say it so many times, I'm not that person anymore. And then what I'd done about four or five years ago, it was a bit of an arty-farty thing, but I always used to use a name when I book into hotels or, you know, get pulled up by the old bill, I'd give this name of Roy Maynard that was just a, a made-up person. And then um, what, I, what I said to someone one time, I said, oh, that, I'm a different person now. That was the old me. That was Roy Maynard. Yeah. And then all of a sudden that fucking clicked. And I thought, well, I've given him a name, given that old personality a name yeah. now. Before yeah. it was just the other bit of me. Now I've separated him as a person because I've given him a name. Mm. So I say to people now, like, that, that weren't me. That was, that was the old me, Roy Maynard. You know, I'm Gary Mansfield now. I'm a different person. Because we can all justify it and let someone off. You go, oh, I was just a kid. You know, I say, oh, they've done that. They was only a kid. They didn't know any better. Mm. But some people, it takes a bit more than your 16th birthday to grow up. Do you know what I mean? Or, yeah. or 18th birthday. Yeah. Because as soon as they pass 18, you go, oh, what, you're a man now. Mm. You know, two days ago, you was a kid. You know, all of a sudden, there's a, there's a line that's drawn and some people need a bit of a bigger line. And as soon as I gave myself that little bit of an excuse, even if you like, that, it weren't me. It was a different person to who I am now. Yeah. It's like I've, I've always thought if I ever get nicked again for something I'd done years ago, I'd think, well, I'm such a different person now. I'm a good person. I'm, you know, I'm on a, I'm on a board of a, a, a massive charity. Yeah. Um, I, I help people. I'm, I'm a good member of society. What's the point of me going to jail for beating someone up or kidnapping someone in the 90s, you know? Do you, yeah, I know that you'd still deserve it, but I am a different fucking person now. Yeah. And and so be it for, like, like my criminal record holds me back from going away, but I'm not that person anymore. And I'm, no. I'm so not. I'm not even saying I'm not. I've just 
definitely am not. When I go to meet, old, when I bump into old friends where you, you know, you might meet them in Romford or yeah, up London yeah. or wherever, they just can't see the old me in the, in the person they're speaking to, you know? And likewise, when I tell people, arty people now about my past, if I've known them for a little while, they can't even envisage me being that violent criminal, you know? They just know the person who they're in front of. And it, it is the same person. It's just that they've got a different attitude towards themselves and other people nowadays, you know? I, I, I often get that with... Because um, I, I, I was... I was a, a real nuisance when I was drinking and drugging, and I was a, you know, I, I was a bit of an animal at times. And I get people, and you know, and they meet me, and they, and they go, "Oh, my, my friend knows you," and you straight away think, "Didn't you?" Yeah, Even you go, though oh, I know no. I'm totally different, and you think the way they say it, there's a little way, there's a little thing they say, they, "Oh, my friend knows you," and you, think, oh, fuck's sake, you know, right? and. Um, it's hard, but people are curious, aren't they, as well? Yeah. Many people, I think many people didn't dream I'd live above 40, you know what I mean? <laughs> like 58, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and, they, and it blows their head. It blows their it, it just they can't. And I lost, a lot, I lost some mates, you know, because yeah. when I became, you know, I was, you know, it was always a party at my ass, you know, our ass, sorry. It was always a party, you know, and then, you're not what people used to know you as. Yeah. You know? And they, and some people just can't, they, they can't come around to that, can they? Yeah. And you have well, to go, don't you? I had an experience when I went into Chelmsford Prison to do a, an art class. And when I go in there, they just think, and I used to do it myself, oh, he's another do-gooder, yeah. <laughs> you know. And I walked in there, and most of the time, as soon as they hear me speaking and a bit of my attitude, I always have a, a little playful dig at a screw which puts me on the con yeah. side you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. um, although making sure the screw knows I'm messing about and I'm yeah. not trying to mug him yeah. off you know <clears throat> but either way I, I start giving this talk and I get a few people going I'll do gooder and all that I tell them I've done a 14 they, sometimes they still think you're a bit of a you know doing it for an ulterior motive and then when I was in Chelmsford, I fucking snapped at, at one guy who kept having a little dig at me. And I went, I've come here. I said, I've come here on my one day. I had one day off of work, a fortnight. I said, I had one fucking day off work, a fortnight. And I've come up here out of my own pocket to spend my day talking to fucking you. And, you know, giving it all that. The others started laughing at him. But then just as I'm having this little rant, so much so that even the screw sort of, he, he even went a bit, you know, he stood up a bit thinking something might kick off here. And I, I did have that little bit of turn because I thought, I can fucking, you, you don't know what I can do to you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You're getting off really lightly here. But then all of a sudden this latecomer turned up who was the, everyone had this trappy mate, you know, who sort of just wound up every situation. As he walked in, um, he's come in and sat down and just as I've finished telling this lad off, I went, right, I'll start again, all right? My name's Gary Mansfield, and I've got this little bit of spiel. Okay, my name's Gary Mansfield, blah, blah, blah. And then this bloke went, Mansfield, Gary Mansfield. And I went, yeah. He went, you ain't from Dagnum, are you? And I went, yeah. And that same sort of feeling that you just yeah. mentioned, I thought, oh, where do I know him from? And he went, you got a brother called Danny? And I went, yeah. And he turned around to a couple of his other mates. He went, Danny Mansfield is a proper crank. 
he went, and he says that his older brother is a fucking lunatic. So <laughs> <laughs> he went, and then all of a sudden, this lad who I was like having half a tear up with, you see him go sort of grey and take a gulp, you know. And I was going, I'm not that person anymore. That's the old, you know, justifying me again, you know. I'm yeah. not that person anymore. But I do like to say that I'm, Roy Maynard is in a little cage inside yeah. my belly, but I still got the key, you know. Yeah. Occasionally, you know, he has got the ability to be unlocked, you know. So, I mean, I mean, let's talk about your art because, like, some of you, I'm fascinated with it that some, I love the padlocks, you know. They've gone down pretty well. They, you know, it's, and as you said, once you explain to me the uh, the conceptual side of, of the uh, strainer thing with the, you know, the yeah. next, oh no, that's that's the story, and that you know, yours is is just with that all those those lines. It must yeah. take forever. Oh, they're proper head fuck. But the story behind those as well. I mean, for anyone listening, it's the five bar gate or the tally, whatever you call it. It's four straight lines and then one diagonal to make the five. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a way of drawing in art called, um, fucking hell, it's gone out of my head, crosshatch, which right. is just drawing with little lines. Some are thinner than others. You know, the thicker ones are darker and then it makes up the shape, the form. Um, I decided to do that with these little tally marks, doing really thin or really thick, knowing that it would be a really difficult thing to do. Um, and it was just to do with time and the waste of time. Yeah. Um, just to show that something can come out of a boring, like my boring time in prison, a waste of time, something can come out of it. That was one of the ideas behind it, to yeah. show that there is something beautiful, can be created out of wasting your time yeah. and people have said like there's thousands and thousands of these little tally marks it's about in the average size ones there's about 30 to forty thousand little individual marks that i've made this intricate looking padlock out of or a piece of barbed wire and um people have asked how many's in there and i'll say i, I didn't count and they say, why not? I said, because it's a waste of time. <laughs> it was, it's, it's just showing you. Yeah, there's, well, there's, count them. <clears throat> exactly. <laughs> count them if you want. I mean, I've done a few where I've counted them and I've got a little, you know, like the doorman used to have when you go oh, in yeah. a club. I've got one of them and I, I tally every, well, every five I tally. If I'm doing them for a certain, um, I, I've been commissioned a few, you know, to do them for whatever. But it was all to do with, a waste of time and just making people understand and appreciate time. Because nowadays when I see my kids, you know, I heard you and Stu Riffin talking about the beauty of going to buy an album and listening to every track and working your way, listening to the album 10 times before you go on to another one, you know, yeah. and it is oh so true. And I tell my kids that and they're like, you used to have to go and get the bus into Romford to fucking buy an album and then get yeah. like, 10 seconds they've downloaded it and there might be you know nine songs on their album they've listened to them all in a minute and a half because they've given each one Flip, a, yeah. a few minute, a few seconds sorry yeah. and that's what I'm saying you've got to give everything time and I see a lot of my artwork I try to make it a, a, a bit of me I know it sounds quite arty farty but I like it when people see me in a gallery they go you know, I can imagine going, what's, what's he, you know, that ain't the person who belongs in the gallery. I'm yeah. loud, I talk, I laugh and joke. 
yeah. I, I shouldn't be there. You know, I know I shouldn't be there or, or I'm not the, the initial type. But once people get to know me, yeah. they go, like, once they strip away that first bit and give me a bit of time, they go, oh, actually, he's a, he's a bit interesting, this bloke. Yeah. He's been, you know, he's, he's got a good story. And then they go, oh, and he can make this art. And it, oh, it's fucking interesting. It's, it's good art. Yeah. And then yeah. all this is stripping away them layers, like one at a time. But I don't mind if someone just walks past it, and I don't mind if they walk past me and go, oh, that ain't my cup of tea. He ain't my cup of tea. Yeah. Then that's their loss, as far as I'm concerned. If, if they just give me that few minutes of time, like I mentioned before, you'll discover that this fat bloke who's in the in the corner of the gallery laughing and joking and swearing yeah. um is 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 worth something yeah. you know and then and what i did used to like is when I, I know that i'm loud and brash and in certain environments people are like like mickey flanagan says who let the window cleaner in you know <laughs> but then when these big artists are turning up who i've now become friends with over the last 20 years who are the a-listers in the art world come in and go all right, go where are you? Want a drink? All yeah. of a sudden, again, hold on a sec. <laughs> Mate, you know, if, if, you know, this Turner Prize winning artist is mates of him, there must be something there, you know? Yeah. And that's what I like. It's, you know, we meet millions of people in our life. We ain't got time to give all of them this 10 minutes to discover them, you know? But yeah. sometimes a little gem will pass you by that, that you wish you got to know years ago, you know? And I, I, I hoped to be that sort of person, you know? So what, what's the, you know, you had your goal and you've achieved it. Yeah. So what's the next goal? Well, I've got my degree. I started a master's, which I had to pull out of because um, a, a, my partner fell pregnant and we couldn't afford both. Um, can't put kids on eBay, I found out. So I had to um, put the degree to one, the master's to one side. Um the world, the art world has come to a standstill for this last nine months. Um, yeah. And it's given me time to evaluate myself as an artist, where I'm going to go forward from here. Because um, all of our life, we sort of get on this little train track and you keep going towards the destination you'd set out. Mm. This lockdown has given me time to sort of pull in at a junction, if you like, you know, at a yeah. station, evaluate. And I'm just about to try a few new avenues that... Um, that I've always had in the back of my mind. And I don't know whether it's just because I'm sort of in the early 50s and thinking, you know, there ain't much time to get these things done. But whatever the reason is, I've got some ideas that are good. They can help other people whilst, um, you know, making my profile a bit um, brighter as an artist. Because mm. most of the stuff I do, it's got other people in mind. You know, I'll no longer do art about me it's always about people like me or in my situation or who've suffered from this suffered from that and even like the i was putting on big art exhibitions with some of the most famous artists in the world but always i would have either um a person from one of the homeless groups i've worked with or ex-prisoners that i've worked with pull them in and i'll make sure that they're in the area of if not next to these big names you know yeah. and and like even on um I, I don't mean to bring my podcast in here but i do an art podcast and I, I will have these world famous artists on there but likewise i'll have the guy who's used art to get himself off the streets yeah because, oh, and this is a beautiful thing as well i had mark wallinger who was a turner prize winner 
And the next week I had Matt Collishaw, who was Turner nominated, massive international artist, right? Any gallery in the world yeah. would fucking love them on their walls. I had them two on, and a few months previous, I had James Gray, who was a homeless artist who used art to get off the streets, right? Yeah. Even now, I don't look at my stats I rarely, once, twice, three times a year, look at the stats. But when I looked at them after a few months, I saw that James Gray had more fucking hits than both of them two combined. And I love that story. They might dislike it, but I've told James, like this this artist, James Gray, I told James that he beat these two world faves and (laughs) he was floating, you know. It was brilliant. Because it's all about people's story, you know. We all... These superstars, I know they're superstars and they're, they're great people, but we all know their story, you know, or yeah. we think we know their story. Yeah. When it's, it's, you know, like this James Gray, um, people want to hear about this guy who's used this art that, you know, most of my listeners are artists or into art, and a story of someone who's used it, off, you know, to get them off the streets or out of crime, that's a yeah. bit of a... A, a golden story you know yeah. and it, it always works it's why it, that, that's what makes it so powerful and we, we I think uh, we both try I think we've both got the same idea about each other's podcasts um, I sort of do mine similarly where I try and get it's great to have high profile people on because it brings attention to it yeah but mine's called hear me see me because I want people to hear and see the unsung heroes yeah when I have one of my team leaders or someone yeah. who works in a in a one of the homeless centres. These people, they're amazing. You know, yeah. like Sonia at Whitechapel Mission, like she brings me to tears every time. You know, nice. she's, you know, like do you know, like, she's like an angel. Yeah, uh, brother Kevin, who, who I, one of my first ones, and he runs a Capuchin Day Centre. You know, so you think you're doing, a, you're trying to do a good thing, and then you meet someone who's give his whole life. Yeah, you know, you're humbled. Yeah, recognition on these things. So, uh, yeah, to Ben Charest, I've had on recently uh, the the the, the, the um, survivor of um, from uh, Kurdistan, and you know, I've got that one downloaded. Funnily enough, oh, she like just I just took my breath away. <laughs> yeah, she sort of with the opening bit when she's saying, "Oh yeah, I was sort of escaped being buried alive with my family," you know, and I was like. I, I didn't know how to talk, you know. No, like, it's brilliant, isn't it? You know, and you think, God, I had to... And, and that's the thing. You could be sitting on the train near these people. Yeah. You know, and that's... Yeah. I'd done a thing a few years ago called London Stories. I was asked, someone had heard my story and asked me to do this theatre production thing mm. where I would sit and tell my story, uh, a 10-minute section of this story, of my story, condense it into 10 minutes, and tell that, I think it was eight or ten times a night to these different groups of people who were just shifting, one after the other, after the other. Yeah. And as there was loads of us doing it, I think there was about 20 odd of us doing it, and we'd all listen to each other's stories. And there'd be like, I don't know, this young girl that I'd seen, you know, and, and I'd said hello to, because we were all in this, like, the green room together. And then you listen to her story, and it's like her family were wiped out in, um, I can't remember the country, um, but during these floods, yeah. they hit Louisiana. She she lived in Ta- oh, right. not Tahiti. I can't think of the sorry. I can't think of yeah. the island she was living on. But she got uh, airlifted out while um, her family were there because she was so young. When the helicopter went back, the village had gone. She lost twenty three members of her family. She was yeah. left. 
Yeah. And and she's te- but she's telling this story. She's got a smile on her face. Yeah. You, you know, she's living in Britain. She's she's just a fucking happy, lovely person. You think, you know, that could be the person on the on the train you're sitting next to. Yeah. Or even even better so, the better example is the, the fucking drunk bloke in the street who's shouting hollering, the yeah. pain in the arse, you know, you're going, Oh fucking hell. Yeah. What's his story? You know, why is he like that? Has he had that sort of like what life has he had or she had? Yeah. You know, as soon as you sort of half consider um, other people's stories and where they could have come from or, you know, why they've, how they've got themselves in that position, then you start to, to understand and become a, a bit more of a, a better person, really, and, yeah. you know, more forgiving. Yeah. And it's, 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 that's the thing, isn't it? I've learned so much. And every single thing I do, and they, some people have this silly idea that you might be a selfless person. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, every single thing I do, and this is why I'm missing it at the moment, um, is when I go out and I speak to homeless people and I, and I connect with them, I, I really, I, it helps me so much. I can't yeah. explain how much it, it feeds my soul. You know? well, like I was saying earlier, that that depression is contagious. Mm. So is fucking empathy, I'm telling you. Because, like, you know, when you'll be out with people and... Um, I don't want to just keep bringing keep bringing homeless into this, but like you know, when we walk past and you you, you know you're going into a supermarket to get yourself something, there's the guy sitting outside. You say, you know, do you want a drink, a bottle of water or something, you know, and then sitting having chat with them for a minute. I've been with people who who see me do it, and I'm I'm not doing it because I'm with them. I do it because I've I just happened to have done it. And when we walked away, you know, they were saying, "No, that was fucking nice what you'd done there," yeah. and it makes them want to. Do yeah. it, or you know, and the feeling that they got seeing me do something nice, yeah. they go, "Oh, I, I, I want a bit more of that feeling." And I know it's, it might sound a bit selfish that you're feeling good by helping someone, but that—that's what it does. You know, it, it moves all of that that attitude around. And yeah, you know, I've had that a few times where someone's I've arranged to come and meet someone, and I'm sitting to chatting to some bloke who's selling the big issue, you know, laughing and joking and, uh, you know, shake his hand and say, see you later, Craig. And then I go, how long you known him? And I go, four minutes. <laughs> you know, as long <laughs> as I was just chatting to you, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and it, it spreads it spread a bit of love. It doesn't hurt anyone, does it, you know? When I first out the haircuts for homeless and when I first saw it growing, I, I called it like a happy virus. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I could see it's, and it's it's done it, and and I could see it spreading out from city to city, and then you know, like these things it's in these amazing. films where you see the the bombs all going off, but it's, yeah, yeah, like a happy virus, but like not the best thing to say at the moment, is it? I mean, I was, yeah, I was, it? we've got a shit virus. We need a happy virus. And I mean, how how proud have you got to feel that when you look at all of these? things that you've got going around the country and everyone that's helping and, and the people that are cutting the hair that they're feeling great coming away from that yeah. it's just you just like you've got yourself a little fucking allotment growing happiness you know yeah it's it's good stuff yeah it's it is and it beautiful it's it, and i did originally think it was all about homeless people but it's so much more about um, the people that volunteer, yeah. the building relationships, the people who, you know, I've got to know, as I've said, so many people who work in these wonderful places, you know, and so many of them um, are, are people helping people. Yeah. You know, ain't the fucking government putting money in these no. places. No, well, a lot of us, people. we've all got that nurturing sort of thing 
in yeah. us. But most of us are so fucking busy with our day-to-day life and, and all of these fake problems we think we've got, you know, that yeah. sometimes if you just stand back from them and, and go, like, you know, just count your blessings if you yeah. like and and how easy it is. Honestly, like that guy I was talking about in the cell where I've, like, thanked yeah. him and, and got him to listen to me, I thought, how easy is it that just to pull someone out of that fucking bit of depression? It took it took ten minutes of, of my fucking life, and it's it, it could have done something silly a, a, a week, fortnight from that time if I didn't intervene, possibly. Yeah. But I come out of a gallery in Liverpool or in in Old Street called Jealous Gallery. I come out of there once, heading back to Liverpool Street, and this guy opposite, he's gone, Gary. Gal on the other side of the road, and I thought it's me. Old, I looked over, I didn't recognise him, but I knew he was one of Roy's mates, <laughs> one of Roy Maynard's mates. And I've just gone, all right. And he's crossed over the road. He had a smile on his face, so I knew it weren't anything dodgy. And he went, uh, "He's Gary, isn't it? Gary Mansfield." I went, "Yeah." And he's grabbed my hand with both hands, you know, with that double handshake, you know. And I went, "All right, how are you?" He went. You do remember me, don't you? And he said, I don't know, I'm like Steve or whatever from Swell Side. And I went, oh, I didn't recognize I had no idea who he was. Yeah. And I went, oh, I don't recognize you. I went, oh, yeah, of course, how are you? You know, you know, keep him well, blah. And he, he said, like, we was chatting for a few minutes. And he said, that when I pulled him and done that same sort of thing, he said, just chatting to you once. He said, I was about to do something silly to myself. He said, and you just pulled me out of the line and like, like we had a little mess about and a laugh and joke. He said, I didn't know you, but you had a laugh and joke with me. He said, and, and what you said to me that day, he said, I thought about it that night and I didn't do it. And he went, and I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. And I felt so fucking him. ashamed that I couldn't remember him. Because yeah. it was just one of those little throwaway two minute things. But it just yeah. goes to show that, because it was probably, because he said, he, he mentioned it was in the in the phone queue. It was probably just someone sitting there looking out the window or in, in a middle distance staring. And I thought, oh, he looks a bit fucking. And I've yeah. all right, mate, how are you? That's, I, I had no idea. It could have been that and went from there. But, yeah, just just sort of um, giving someone that five minutes. You don't know where, that, where they are in their state of mind. No. And I felt quite ashamed that I didn't remember him. But the thing is, you say that, but... But you you did it, you know, and, and yeah. that's the effect. And it's when you throw them, you throw that stone in the pond and the ripples that go out, you only really see the splash. You yeah. don't see these ripples. And that's yeah. what, that that's, tends to be what we do. You know, we probably won't even ever see some of them ripples that go further out, yeah. but, you know. Well, my boy has just turned 16 and he, um, he's... He's got a great sense of humour in that, but he's not forward and loud. And like mine's, most of mine's fake, the forwardness. You know, yeah. I'm quite an insular, stay yeah. back person, but you know, this false thing that I've got pushes me out, you know. And um, I've seen that my boy and my daughter, they're both sort of very quiet, but yeah. got great senses of humour, you know. And we come out of a shop once, and I've just been messing about with the girl behind the counter, you know, saying something stupid as blokes do, you know. And um, when we come out, my boy went to me. I do that, and I went, what? He went, you know how you joke with people and like, make them laugh? He said, I'd, I've started doing that as well. He said, because it's really nice to look back and see someone smiling when you walk away. And 
I do it just for that. You know, I'll make up something and yeah. you know, as if I've just been, like, oh, I've just broken down and this happened. <laughs> just, just to make this funny little scenario that someone can yeah. go, yeah, this bloke come into the shop today. And, <laughs> but, to, you know, and it gives them something to think about, you know. Yeah. And my boy went, yeah, yeah, he went, I do that as well. He said, it's nice to make people smile, <laughs> isn't it? And I thought, fucking hell, I've just ingrained that in him without yeah. even realising. And, and he's just going to put loads of smiles on people's faces all the time, you know. And that responsibility, what could you have, you know, them kids, what could you have instilled in them? Exactly, know? exactly. Yeah. And, that's, and that's, yeah, that's what I say as well. That if, if I was the old me, my kids would have been yeah. the new me. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I, my kids are really, I, I, I don't mean to be big head, but they are good, compassionate, thoughtful, yeah. honest, lovely kids. Yeah. If they weren't, they would have been, not that there's, there's anything wrong with a snotty nose little tear away that I was, but they would have just been like yeah. a, a, a 2000 issue of them, you know. Yeah. And I'm glad that, now, you know, like with mine, the same as yours, I'm glad they're a better, improved version of me. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> is that the new I'm one? Be a few in, <laughs> since there's eight people in and a, and a newborn, there ain't too bad in it, is it? <laughs> I can't really complain. We've had it quite bad. I'm thinking I'll probably better draw this to the end. Gary, I've, I, I have absolutely loved this. It's this phone, but I don't have. I think we're hour and a half. Oh, I'm brilliant. sorry. I do wrap it a bit. It's been well overdue, you know. I've been meaning to do it and, you know, the one thing good out of lockdown, I've managed to pin people down there. Excellent. <laughs> good stuff. Like. Well, since we first met, I've been so looking forward to sitting down and having the chat. Well, we yeah. tried to arrange it, didn't we, face-to-face yeah, just before lockdown hit. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I so admire what you're doing, mate. I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass. No, thank you. I've spoke to you. know Lee, my mate Lee, who you was talking yeah. about yeah. when you come? I phoned him just before, I think he's back quarter. About a quarter of an hour or so before we started, and uh, I said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm doing one with Stu from the Haircuts for Homeless." And like, as soon as I mentioned you, Lee went, "Ah, oh, blah blah, what a lovely!" <laughs> and it's just fun. honestly, I'm I don't there's there's a few people I'm proud to know, and and you really are one of them. Oh, thank you. Like, even though we've not sort of sat and had a proper chat, no. um, yeah, I've, I've heard. Uh, the hairdresser who comes round to do me up, me other half's hair, you know, she's mentioned you in passing before, and and the other half has gone. Oh, Gary knows the guy who's done that, and <laughs> and she, you know, she's met you, and she spoke so. Everyone just speaks so fucking highly of you. That oh, way. I so, appreciate so that. Just thanks for being a fucking great person, because oh. yeah, the world needs people that are good and and think of others, and there's not enough of them about. And <laughs> yeah, you make up for a couple of them. I'm sure you do. <laughs> Make up for the old one. No, <laughs> you'll know that. Anyway, my friend, thank you so much. Uh, and welcome. I can't wait to have this cup of tea in person. Oh, we you. need it, mate. <laughs> I'll see All you again. Very best, you. Cheers, mate. Hello, mate. It's just over five years ago. I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people. Some of the people that work in some of these places, many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.